I'm Katie Lucas. Welcome to the CTX podcast featuring conversations about UX and CX with leaders in Connecticut. Welcome to the CTX podcast. I'm Katie Lucas, and I'm sitting here with Chris Hires, who's the Chief Communications Officer for UConn Health. The first thing, which would be terrific, is if you could just give us a little bit of background information. Um, how did you get into healthcare? How did yeah. you choose healthcare leadership? <laughs> well, so it's never a little story, but I'll um, try to, for the sake of time, get it the way. I didn't choose healthcare leadership. It chose me, mm-hmm. like so many of us. Uh, you, you go to school to do something. I went to, to school to write radio ads. Uh, I got a degree in advertising and came out of school at a time when you had to sell to write mm-hmm. and hadn't quite calculated that and didn't want to sell. <laughs> um, so I actually wandered off into uh, not-for-profit health agency fundraising for a while, just through some connections, which gave me a depth in healthcare that eventually led to um, a client hospital that I just took tens of thousands of dollars of donations off of, mm-hmm. calling and saying, hey, why don't you come be our marketing director? Wow. And didn't really understand um, the industry, the dynamic. I mean, you think about it, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. people had only been advertising health services for right. 10 to 20 years. And mm-hmm. so the, the understanding wasn't, wasn't there. And I just found it fascinating. I mean, as a communicator, you have to take and translate the most crucial and complex content generally applicable mm-hmm. to people often with a fifth grade education level, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's that communication equation right. that makes this really, really, really interesting. That's a, certainly a trial by fire. You just got thrown into the into the boiling you know, water there. You, you know, when I got thrown in, I didn't know what job I'd gotten, but mm-hmm. I had an office and a business card. And it was pretty cool. My Mom was a secretary. My dad was a he and air mechanic. Mm-hmm. So this was like big time. Absolutely. And I was lucky enough to have a CEO who is still a pretty big deal in this business mm-hmm. uh, say to me, you're going to deal with some of the smartest people on earth. Mm-hmm. Your job is to be able to come out of that meeting session and explain all that smart to your grandma. That's and that framing has worked for yeah. me forever. So Yeah, that's a really good so, way to put it. It also makes everyone in the family think you're a healthcare expert, which you know is a nice benefit. There you go. Well it's a benefit or maybe it's not, mm. you know, if somebody's getting it's, to look at their mole. No, know. no, but I, I know people who can. <laughs> that's you know? true. There you I, go. I, every family needs a uh, a healthcare Sherpa, if you will, uh-huh. and ours doesn't have any doctors. So I would be it. Every family absolutely needs a healthcare sherpa, especially mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's more and more complex by the minute, which I am sure factors into your day to day job. Well, actually, it's not. I don't know that it's more complex. We just know more about it. It's true. Um, so it is what it always has been. But sometimes, you ever think about the uh, the simplicity of childhood? How life looked so easy. Mm. Healthcare looks so easy until. We peeled back uh, into consumerism, into even even TV shows like uh, like ER that took the right. the mystical cap off of it. Yeah. Uh, part of being an empowered customer is you got to know more. And mm-hmm. so welcome welcome to our world, right? <laughs> it's it, it, it's complex to protect you. Mm-hmm. And you're learning it's complex because you want it in. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. That's a really good point. Uh, it's an interesting perspective. Um, so, how did you come to be at UConn Health? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what's it been about three years ago now? Uh, we were uh, we had taken a short term job and really had that unique ex- 
opportunity in mid-career to say, what, what do I want to be when I grow up and where do I want to be? And we looked around the country, understand I'm a native of California, my wife's a native of, of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. We were sitting in Ohio and looked around the country and when this opportunity presented itself, it was so unique in so many ways. University of Connecticut being what it is. I, Connecticut doesn't give itself enough credit for how the rest of the world uh-huh. sees it. We still laugh at how many people, oh, you're going to UConn. It's an all-basketball-driven reputation. We understand <laughs> it. But you know what? There is a um, a difference in mystique to it. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to go back to academic medicine because I don't think there's anything better than, a- than academic medicine. To be walking the halls where tomorrow's doctors are learning where tomorrow's cures are being worked on and where we're applying it is outside of maybe children's or veterans medicine, the absolute best place in this business. Uh So the chance to come to a prestigious place like UConn, I'd been to New England once ever and that was to (laughs) interview. Um, Literally the first day I was ever in New England was to interview, the second day was to start the job and Mm -hmm. so my wife and I said, you know what, we can go anywhere, we have opportunities all over the country. Let's go someplace that'll make a great personal base station for the next 15 years, mm-hmm. create professional opportunity to just work like heck, um, and see the part of the country we hadn't seen. Right. Which this time of the year, it's the perfect time of year to yeah. be here. Yeah. So it was the first day of, of the job, what season was it? <laughs> so the interview was a beautiful sep- September day. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to Yukon Health, they have these great, a couple great parking garages. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I literally parked on top of it, looked around, looked over the Farmington Valley towards Hartford, mm-hmm. and saw... A real New England. Mm-hmm. Now, understand if you if you grow up in California, East Coast leaves are just fiction. Sure. Um, like nor'easters and sure. everything else. Mm-hmm. So that incredible beauty. First day of the job was November. Was a was a late November day. Uh, a we did a, we, well, we did a decade in <laughs> Iowa though. Okay. So okay. You, one of the things, not not that we're talking about this, but one of the things that we have come to learn, having lived all over this country, is everyone thinks they have it worse, and we still believe that. Um, spending the polar vortex in Iowa mm-hmm. was way better than, way worse than anything New England can throw from a winter. Oh yes, yeah, I would have to go with you there. I don't, I don't think we're gonna beat Iowa oh. <laughs> in yeah. winter or Imagine, Minnesota. You put a Florida, California boy in Iowa. Um, there's not enough blood thickener in the world to make me be able to handle that. But <laughs> we're, we're glad we're in Connecticut. That's good. Well, we're glad to have you. I mean, it's, it's also, you know, we've seen sort of amazing things from UConn in the past few years. And I'm going to assume that the credit is all yours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, No, but it's, you know, it's it's interesting because when you talk about amazing things from from UConn and specifically UConn Health, think about the the lead and lag cycles on these things, right? right? So the investment that the governor led and the legislature made in Bioscience Connecticut yep. led to things that were well underway when, like in my example, I came and looked. Mm-hmm. And when you're in healthcare, everybody wants facilities and nobody can do them because they're complex, they're expensive, right. and the margins are tight. So when you see that kind of investment mm-hmm. already made, uh, it's silly not to grab the opportunity to tell its story. Right. And what you're seeing by the amazing things is how it allowed us to attract even more world-class faculty. Uh-huh. And we had some great ones, we got more great ones, uh-huh. that then uh, collaborated with things like Jackson Labs, right. which was all part of that. And even something as simple as, as some of the front page stories we've been part of lately about 
first to use a microphone, microphone, no, we're doing that today. <laughs> first to use a microscope in the US right. or uh, the first GSD treatment in the world. Uh, those are, in our case, those are the, the fruits of collaborations right. that the investment in that campus, our partners around the communities made. And so it's just, uh, you know, people will say, wow, Connecticut's in rough shape. Why do you, why do you go to Connecticut? Anybody can join the winner at the top. Uh -huh. It's placing the bet on the thing that's ready to go that I think we found particularly attractive uh -huh. to this. Yep. In the case of Yukon Health, all the pieces have been there for so long. It's the community now beginning to understand the state, the region, the nation, everything we have to offer. Right. And as the storyteller, that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from my perspective, Yukon Health has really has become a substantial economic driver, you know, in the in the Farmington Valley and beyond. It's it's really building Connecticut and by extension Hartford and by extension eventually New Haven and Bridgeport and, and other parts of Connecticut into this biotech uh, leader yeah. community. You, you know, that's I don't know that we're all the way at the at the apex yet, but you know, we're no. certainly on the on the road. Well you know if you do it right you never get to the apex because there's always a higher bar. But I can tell you uh, based on stories and experiences I hear with some of our um, some of our faculty, mm -hmm. that our ability, UConn Health's ability to bring uh, cutting edge care is in part because they can partner up on their innovative and academic interests right. and work with um, companies like in the incubator lab or be cross appointed to Jacks in ways that takes the greatest potential among us mm -hmm and fuels all their needs in a way that some other place can't. Mm -hmm. And then you add that to the complete livability of, you know, of our part of, of Connecticut. And it's a pretty tough combination for right. people not to want to come. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, it, and one thing that New England does do really well is this, this idea of community. You know, and I don't know that you get that from major urban centers or metropolises. You know, you, you come to Connecticut, it is that small town community feel along with this sort of world-class talent pool. That's what we like to tell them before they move here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> I will tell you from having traveled the, the, the country professionally that everybody kind of says that. Sure. But if you look at the, the Northeast equation, mm -hmm. right, you can live and work in, at Yukon Health and in the Farmington Valley and never see a freeway. Mm -hmm. Okay, now everybody that wants off a freeway, because they're probably listening to this in their car now, right? right? right. Raise your hand. So there is that uh, high quality balance that you say, no, I don't have to mm -hmm. go there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're bouncing around a little bit here, but um, I, I want to go back to this idea of um, academic healthcare. Yeah. Uh, you, you yourself are a teacher. I am. Uh, UConn Health is a teaching hospital. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, what what makes that important to you? Why is yeah. that such a, a critical part of your career and your livelihood? Here? No, that's. I think. Thanks for asking that because it's something I do because I want to do it, not because I have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, if we think so, as as any kind of professional. And, and maybe this is part of what you get working alongside the medical profession for so long where things are constantly changing. If we think as professionals that we know everything, mm -hmm. we're already out of date. And so what, what I have found in, um, in teaching, and it's changed over, over time. I mean, 
Um, as you watch your kids get older and now that some of ours are in or through college, how mm -hmm. they view teaching at a college level and what a good education is. I think um, for me, some of the biggest impacts on my educational career were people who had two feet firmly placed in the practice world, mm. who were back teaching. I, I right. think about people who could bring you real life experience. Mm -hmm. I valued that. Um, you learn, you learn so much by teaching. And I think anybody across the university, uh, and, and just basically uh, in any kind of teaching role will tell you that while you are there to help them understand something, their questions help you understand something. Right. They remind you of things uh, you've forgotten. They challenge why. And, and nothing stays static forever, except maybe what, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup recipe? Right, right. Hopefully that one stays static. But even Coke, I was going to use Coke, but even they tried to change yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's, and it's that, and that thought of that give and take, how if you're grateful for where your career is taking you, the chance to help people up. I mean, how great is it to spark thought, um, spark ideas, mm -hmm. mark something that may well outlive us. So right. the, the idea of, of teaching uh, is is part of, it's just the energy and the excitement of academics mm -hmm. is, is unparalleled. Mm, that's, that's really good uh, insight there. You know, we I had one of my kids in Montessori for a while, mm -hmm. and they talk about a similar sort of thing. You know, the they group the kids together from three to six, and the six-year-olds teach the three-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and the idea, you know, from Montessori... Should scare us all, but well, yeah, exactly. you see the benefit, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, the idea is that once the child has mastered the task, they're ready to mm -hmm. teach it to another child and learn another dimension of the right. same task. So now you take that to a hyper-accelerated um, level. Look how they teach dental and medical students now. Uh, so Yukon Health was one of the first places in the country to adopt this M-Delta curriculum. Very technical name and I won't pretend to know it all. But if you go over to Yukon Health and see teaching, you do not see big lecture halls full mm -hmm. of someone down front and a bunch of students in seats. What you see is this in the round version where teams of eight to 10 students are solving cases, not doing book learning and it's the medical and dental students together for the first two years wow. because so much is there. And for those of us that learned in what would be considered traditional okay. ways to watch how technology has come into it, how learning from each other mm -hmm. and how learning experientially, right? Uh, who would have saw that unless you were in there working with it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I had no idea that um, that, that was going on, that, that whole collaborative learning environment that's it, profound. Ev everybody, so part of our you know, massive investment in facilities included uh, a, a lot of academic spaces and featuring this academic rotunda, which is the this huge in the round room. Then I bet you they have 25 tables. And what's so interesting is the teacher mm -hmm. teaches from the middle with people all around them. Wow. It looks like an air traffic control. <laughs> um, and often first timers to the room you know, you're taught not to talk with your with your back to people. Mm. Yeah, you, you can't do that. Right. Taking everything we do and understanding how it um, can be applied more more modern um, to the way people learn now is is just innovation at, at a level that Connecticut wouldn't think about, right? Because mm -hmm. all you want to see is the outcome later on of a good doctor right. and a good medical student. But who knows what this is doing for their collaboration, for their learning, for the generation that will end up taking care of us. Right, absolutely. It, it certainly is something that... Um, 
that I could imagine being talked about in the industry. And, it, and it's wild. I mean, you just walk in there and you go, they're doing what? How? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. you know, so much of the teaching like I do is online where you don't talk to anybody. You're like, eh, but everyone learns different ways. Sure, sure. Um, so the, the foundation of this podcast is user experience yeah. and customer experience. Um, I personally see customer experience as including things like patient experience yeah. and student experience and employee experience. But for, for you here, I would love it if you could speak a little bit to um, the patient experience at UConn Health, yeah. how you think about it and how you, um, you know, sort of keep that top of mind um, in, in your daily work and your colleagues' daily work. So, so think about how that question has changed uh -huh. in, in the last... Nothing about technology, just about healthcare itself, right? Yep. So when 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 I was a kid, someone might have said to you, um, "Hey, we heard grandma was in your grandma was in the hospital. Is she all right?" And right. like, "Yeah, she's great. She's home." That was the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Now the conversation we have is people assume a lot more about her being all right, and so the questions move to this consumer. Hey, I heard grandma was in the hospital. Yeah, the every time we went up there, the parking was horrible, the food was bad, the waits were long, the Wi-Fi mm -hmm. sucked, and the TV, um, the TV station lineup was no good. Right? How's your grandma? Oh, oh, she's good too. <laughs> um, but it, it points to how uh, the patient experience and the consumer experience have come together in this really, really complex way because our customer, our true customer, experiences us two ways at once. Mm -hmm. The patient experience, the deeply personal, how I feel, are you helping me feel better? Okay. And then the context around it of the customer experience, how was I treated, how were the facilities? And, and when you solve for that in any healthcare organization, I, I think it's even more complex because how you feel as a consumer is often not of your own making. It's those people that were with you. Mm -hmm. When you're in our world as a customer, 95% of the time or more, you don't want to be there, yeah. right? Yep. Occasionally you do, occasionally because mm -hmm. you're going to get that last chemo and be sent good to go, or you're going to have a baby, but most of the time, this is not where you want to be. Right. Um, and often that's because you don't feel good, and that's and your focus appropriately is on you and feeling better and where it should be. Mm -hmm. And so the ex customer experience for us, if you get into the acute setting, it's about the people that are with you, right. right? That dropped you off, that waited for you, mm -hmm. that did all these things. And now in healthcare, I think what you're seeing, and I say I think because you know we're very much a flavor of the uh, of the our kind mm -hmm. of industry, is people are starting to understand that the the customer experience for us is actually long before you're ever a patient. Right. Um, you know, healthcare is still like the most searched thing on the internet. So are you? A trusted place they can learn. Mm -hmm. Do you understand from a consumer transaction point of view? Uh, it's not enough for me to say my doctors all have great degrees mm -hmm. if I don't tell you how to access it in the time and way you want to. Uh, but healthcare wasn't built that way, right? right? Healthcare was built in this: um, you are lucky to have us. Mm -hmm. We are brilliant, uh, and we are. I mean, there's the, we work in the sure. smartest workforce in the history of man, uh, but it wasn't built. For the, the supply and demand wasn't built in this consumer dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so as the consumer has raised and been more empowered, um, how we do that is mm -hmm. really complex. And right. So you have to think about it. The, the, the answer, part of the answer to the question about what you're doing about it, mm -hmm. is you try to find ways to 
for lack of, I guess, better word, consumerize what is a non-consumer offering. Mm -hmm. So people will say all the time, um, myself included, wow, I can schedule every appointment in my life online. How come I can't schedule my doctor's appointment, right? I can book my haircut, my car appointment, my dog's vaccination, mm -hmm. and maybe even my dentist. Um, there's a million reasons why, but yeah. we have to move there right. because it doesn't matter. Only matters to the person who's trying to have the transaction at the mm -hmm. point. And from a business competition point of view, he who gets there first will move some things along. Right. Um, think about the consumerization this way. Uh, you used to, what was the only way you could get to a doctor, right? Um, schedule an appointment, mm -hmm. walk into an emergency room. Heck, now you can go to the grocery store and go to the doctor. You can go to an urgent care. Right. Uh, always these organizations doing it, all designed to say, as a as a customer patient experience, mm -hmm. did you get the product or service the way you wanted it? Mm -hmm. Because the outcome, if, if we're assuming the quality a little bit, it's there. So it's it's very very com very mm -hmm. complex. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And one of the things that you highlighted there, I think, is interesting, is the the question of supply and demand. Um, because there is a little bit of tension there, right? There's a there is a doctor shortage in this in this country. There's not enough uh, doctors to go around, and we're we're seeing things like nurse practitioners, uh, you know, st and physicians assistants starting to to fill that void. Um, but on the one hand, we have customers who are demanding more and more, um, and who want that customer experience, yep. you know, who want to be treated as consumers. Um, and then we also do have a, a doctor shortage, so. Um, the, the consumer doesn't necessarily have as much control uh, in the healthcare industry as they do in other industries. Oh, they got a lot of control. Okay. Um, I, I would, <laughs> I, I, I would, would, would disagree a little, a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, the, the art form is to make sure you use the, the resources, the physicians, yep. the uh, PAs to their highest and best use. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think about the question you talked about, um, about when we all started buying some groceries from a convenience store. Nobody thought there was any option for getting milk and eggs except going to the store. Sure. To the classic big box store, sure. right? And when gas stations started putting up milk and eggs along with everything else, people thought that was crazy mm -hmm. and you were probably gonna hurt yourself if you bought them there, right? Right, right. Think about, but they did it because the things you needed, the, the, the lowest order needs mm -hmm. need to be convenient. So you take some of the ways that healthcare is solving the um, the access shortage by going into urgent cares where yep. mid levels can take so much care of, of so many different things mm -hmm. um, and still know how to pass you up the chain right. if needed be. That begins to diffuse it. We as consumers, though, just have to understand that um, much like working on our car, you know, one guy can certainly look at the, the check oil low tire light, mm -hmm. but the other one, when the engine blows and we're smoking out on I 84, it takes a different level. Right. And if we start to understand healthcare as working our way to the resource we need the most, mm -hmm. then actually the access problem begins to go away mm -hmm. and the consumer begins to be able to be self-directed in going where they need, when they need, always knowing that if they're wrong, right. they're going to get passed up pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, I love that. You know, the, the highlighting of the, the urgent care and the walk-ins is certainly something that, you know, we hear um, and see and read about um, feeling threatening. Um, you know, to a lot of, of doctors' practices, you know, and, and offices. Um, and there's even some interesting, um, looking at the, the customer experience there, if you go to a minute clinic, yeah. on the one hand, versus 
um, one of the newer Yukon yep. <laughs> urgent care centers, yep. there actually is, you know, I've, from a personal anecdotal standpoint, I've waited an hour and a half in a minute clinic. Mm -hmm. um, and it, my customer experiences at the walk-in have always been fantastic. So, you know, there's, there's an opportunity for, um, you know, dare I say it, right. real healthcare organizations well, to, well, to it, make a difference there. The, it's always this question, though, of... Um, we can't create demand, right? Mm -hmm. um, demand creates itself through disease states any given any given day. Mm -hmm. So the predictability of labor, of volume in our business sure. is so hard to do. If I pull up to the grocery store, like I should have done last night, because <laughs> and seen way too many cars, I can make the decision, you know what, I don't need it that bad. Right. I'll put it on the list next week, mm -hmm. right? But when you've decided to, to cross the transom and seek care, you probably think it's time. Right. And so that that in elasticity of being able to wait. Mm -hmm. Really, you've said this is about what I think it is, and it's, it's never gonna be perfect, because you need the right. dedicated attention of that healthcare mm -hmm. resource. Mm -hmm. All we can try and do is give you enough doors to go in, and which I really do think that evolution is so much better for the consumer right. than it was. Right, I would agree with you completely there, and that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. Um, so I'm gonna ask you if you have any current projects mm. Um, that you're working on or that you're talking about um, at UConn Health that you think reflect this dynamic uh, particularly well or, or highlight some of what UConn is yeah. doing? Yeah, you, you know, it, it's it's not earth-shattering or award-winning because um, it's been adopted, a lot of these things have been adopted in broader parts of the um, of the industry, mm -hmm. uh, but as a, as a public agency, um, Sometimes the, uh, the the trip to the latest is a little slower mm -hmm. with us. Um, you've seen a couple things in the last um, in the last few years on top of those fabulous new buildings. Which, if you haven't come by, oh, please please, please get off I eighty four, follow <laughs> forward to Farmington and the big buildings. We'd love to have you. They are beautiful. Um, yeah, they they are um, they are beautiful. Uh, so you get a you get a couple things going on at the moment. One is getting off that hill informing him mm -hmm. to where people want it, right? Um, cons healthcare like politics is local. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we did a big study last year that um, women stated very loudly they wanted their OB care, especially the childbearing age, close to work because mm -hmm. they got to go take those appointments during the day. Mm -hmm. So if you think about where people are, they're, they're not really working right around us unless they're our employees, right? right? So we've moved um, one of the really consumer-facing friendly things we've done is moving to a lot of communities, mm -hmm. stores, Southern East Hartford, West Hartford, mm -hmm. um, Simsbury, Avon, Canton. So the front door can right. be can be where you need to be at. Now, it also needs to be at a different hour. Um, healthcare is not there very often. We still think you need to get to us to nine to five, but we've put some uh, some urgent care offerings up. Back in the uh, the spring of this year, we took the big step forward into a single portable electronic medical record. Mm. And I think you can debate all day long where that is for the consumer. Sure. Right? People, oh, I can get my blood test results online. Okay. I, I get why we think that's a good idea, but how many of us do that and understand it? Mm -hmm. Other than the, chronic, the chronically ill do, right? right? If you're watching something, but it was sold to us all as this feature going, yes, now what do I do? It, mm -hmm. it, it's like 300 channels of cable. How many do I really right. need? Right. Um, but as you evolve that, your ability to something as simple as a consumer as to not have to be 
trying to wait on the phone to do a prescription refill, mm -hmm. right? To simply be able to message it, have the systems talk to each other electronically on a refill, not on something new, but right. those routine things that could eat up your time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used this the other day and I was so impressed. I felt like I had just finished reading the email mm -hmm. and I was getting something from the pharmacy saying your refill's been processed. Right. I'm like, well, that was kind of easy. Right. <laughs> Uh, move, moving into the full utilization of those tools because we all have them right. um, and how that allows your portability um, because whether I like it or not people in this market do not seek all their care at a single system right. right they've got some relationships at Hartford or St. Francis or Yale or Bristol uh, and what the big health record implementation does is allows your information to move back and forth mm -hmm. with your permission across so you don't have to be in a vacuum and right. the amount the volume of information that's moving is tremendous and while invisible to a customer has to mean better care mm -hmm. across it's funny every time you say better care you think but we're already delivering really good care but knowledge is king mm -hmm. and the more i know the more i can find that one in a million you don't know right all all of those things matter and i'll tell you the other thing and this will be really uh it's so simple but in our case and anyone who knows our campus knows that we've we've evolved from a sleepy little place out in Farmington to a, a small city. Yeah. And the the big mistake, one of the big mistakes we made in doing that, is we didn't realize how big and scary that becomes from a customer. Mm. So while all things are new, and all ideas are out there in the future, sometimes it's simply a stop and a making sure your signs and your maps are easy to go. Right. We yes. um, are, are huge. Mm -hmm. The experience of being a customer, a patient in healthcare, mm -hmm. it's funny because people always say you try to apply basic retail principles to it, mm -hmm. um, but that's not a rational thought, I think, in healthcare because uh, often your customer is stressed, is thinking about something else. Um, because this is not a joy, they're not headed to where they want to be, right. then you have to. You have to challenge those boundaries and say easy, simple, understanding. You know, UConn Health takes that that trust that a um, that a family puts in us. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an honor, and that someone chose us to say we're going to put. It, it will sound cliche, but it, it's really not. We're going to put our life in your hands because you don't know that what you handed us today is a simple tune-up or major life-changing event. Mm -hmm. And and if we don't try to reach back and meet you where you are. Get you there simply. Let you get your information simply. Mm -hmm. Even something as simple as making sure you have websites that allow people from outside the area to validate that the loved ones here are getting the right kind of care. Mm -hmm. All those kinds of initiatives are things that right. seem very basic, but we've been very deep into for a very long period mm -hmm. of time because um, the whole experience matters. Right. So two things in response to that. Um, first, you say that you know the electronic health records is maybe invisible to the consumer, mm -hmm. and I think the parts that are behind the scenes, you know, the bits of data flying back and forth are. But I can tell you absolutely that if you save me from having to fill out yet another form, there you go. When I get to yet another doctor's office, oh my goodness, that is not invisible. <laughs> so if you had any experience with us, uh, because we were on three different systems, including paper, mm -hmm. yeah, the redundancy you had to do. So thank you. That's a very valid point. Right. Now I've told you once. Mm -hmm. it, it's funny. One of my children had something done at a, a local facility uh, last week, mm -hmm. and 
they kept restating the information over and over again. And I was explaining right. to someone how that's different than asking for the information. Mm -hmm. Restatement is to make sure they're accurate. Mm -hmm. Asking is like, do you people even talk to each other, right? Right, right. absolutely. Yeah, so that is, that is completely not invisible, you know, speaking of the patient. And the other thing that I just want to highlight is what you said about it being an honor um, to have the patient. You know, that they have entrusted you with, you know, in some cases, their lives mm -hmm. or their children's lives or their family's lives. Um, and that is, it, it may be a cliche, but it's certainly worth um, repeating. It's also something that I think flies in the face of what we think of as the medical attitude. Yeah. You know, the attitude of the doctor, you know, sort of walking in and playing mm -hmm. God and you should be um, humbled and happy to have me as your doctor. Yeah. You know, turning that on its ear, I think, is incredibly valuable. So one, one of the things I love about the University of Connecticut medical staff and nurses is you know, usually... Um, you would, academics would come with that you're lucky to have me mm -hmm. arrogance, but the the people are so beautifully focused on did we help that family? Right. Did we did we do what's right? And you know, a lot of times that position in the market is reserved for a faith based provider. Mm -hmm. I think it's and I've worked for the faith based providers and they were terrific. But um, I, I think we really understand. We take care of some really hard stuff. Right. And the work that our people do. Um, throughout the organization, uh, it, it, if you stop and think about it for a minute, how incredibly invasive our business is into people's lives, right. just putting yourself on the other side of that equation um, makes it pretty easy to know how to do it and do it right. Mm -hmm. um, nobody gets it right all the time, right. Uh, but I, I love the spirit of uh, we are here, we, we like our success stories, we like our NICU baby reunions, mm. we like... How, how grateful was it to have a, a donor step forward and said, this is a thing ways you changed our lives and gave. Um, right. That's the validation of healthcare. And that's what makes healthcare the most, uh, I'll disagree with anybody else, you, you get probably the best business to be in because mm -hmm. nobody else impacts quite that way. Right. right. And then for those of us that don't deliver healthcare, that weren't smart enough to go to medical school and didn't work hard enough to be in these kinds of roles where we can connect a community that needs it with a, with a valuable um, state asset and point of pride like UConn makes it some of the best mm. communication jobs in the world. Right, absolutely. Um, that was beautifully stated. Um, so I'm going to get into a little bit some questions about um, the University of Connecticut in Connecticut. And, ah. You know, you touched on this a little bit um, earlier, but UConn is a you're a token of Connecticut. Token's the wrong word. Yeah, we're, we're a, a, a beacon. A beacon. We are a, a totem, beacon of all right. that is right in Connecticut. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I would love to hear if you could talk a little bit more about um, what's coming up on the horizon um, for UConn Health and Jackson and uh, the ways yeah. that you guys are working with the state um, to expand um, all of those efforts. Yeah. So coming up, this is... This is um, so first of all, thank you. That was that was really kind because UConn, as a university and as a health provider, uh, in my opinion, does not get enough love from its community. We like to talk about what's wrong, not what's right. Mm -hmm. And um, from the quality of education to the contribution of its graduates um, to its research and innovation and economic engine, uh, it's an amazing place. Mm -hmm. I, I, I 
hope anyone who spends a minute thinking about what life without UConn would be would shudder to think mm -hmm. about what this state would be. Right. For us at UConn Health, it's time to write the next chapter, we mm -hmm. think. Um, we are very uh, openly since last year talking about um, seeking public-private partnerships mm -hmm. because we are on a little bit of an island, right? right. Um, the, the big systems have done their thing and done them very well. And so just like healthcare is changing, the business of healthcare is changing. Right. Uh, that change in the business of healthcare is what put Jackson Labs in our in our shadow. I can say that because the, <laughs> the way the sun goes, they're reputationally not in our shadow. Literally in your but shadow. But they are literally because they're down yeah. campus from us. Um, but brought new ways of thinking that allows us to rec rec recruit people and um, forward medicine faster. Uh, as we seek, I mean, and people will hear a lot about this over the next, I think, six months to a year. Mm -hmm. As we seek public-private partnership, what we're going to try and do and say, here's all the things we've talked about. Uh, a prestigious medical school, a nationally ranked dental school, 50 years of tradition, world-class facilities, one of the best X's on the map you could draw for a campus. Mm -hmm. Can we find a way to accelerate the return on that investment to Connecticut? Right. And that acceleration, that return means jobs, mm -hmm. means even more care, uh, means innovation, means funding back to teaching, funding back to research. You know the. Uh, UConn Health Researchers, the the health side of the re research enterprise, not the full university, mm -hmm. owns like over 100 patents for little things. Wow. Nobody understands. And they're little things. Right. Read this. I read a couple of them going, yeah, I guess somebody would have to invent that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for us, what's next is to take every, all the faith, all the time, all the tradition, all the investment people have put in it, and hit the accelerator in right. a way that people can continue to look at not just, hopefully... Hopefully, sorry, Gino, if you're listening, um, not just UConn women's basketball as mm -hmm. something that exports well from here, but that the work of UConn in the health sector right. exports from here. Right. That's um, that's amazing. You know. Stay I, tuned. I definitely will. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody wants to do it. So think about this, right? And there's not an academic medical center probably in America that doesn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. What's different for us? We're in a small state. Mm -hmm. We're single focused. We've been invested in. Right. We're ready. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just the, the infrastructure and the scaffolding from UConn, you know, the support structures are, are really there. You know, there's yeah. the economic engines um, have been gearing up for a while, you know, at the university um, and at UConn Health, uh, you know, in terms of the innovation programs and the accelerators and the incubators. That, I was going to say, you brought up the incubators. Right. Uh, uh, there's something like 40... 40, 41 companies in the in the technology yep. incubation programs. And when you talk to those two and three person entrepreneur mm -hmm. shops, there's some amazing stuff going on. Not everything hits, mm -hmm. um, but it's not a stretch of the imagination to think that Yukon's Gatorade right. is being made in one right. of the technology incubation programs. Right, absolutely. And it's also not a stretch to imagine one of those organizations moving, you know, to the campus near mm -hmm. Jackson. Sure. You know, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that we yeah. won't see a few of those happen. And, and that is part of, well, think about the, the development in our area as a, um, you know, as a medical and bioscience hub, and think about the unique advantage that Connecticut has on the highway between Boston and New York. Mm -hmm. So where you want that stuff to play, right. you don't have to live there. Right. You can get to either. And that's part of why the vision of you know of Farmington, Connecticut mm -hmm. as a bioscience hub for the Northeast and the world is is not a stretch of the imagination. Right. Right. It just took the investment to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree completely with that. Um, 
So, you know, another question that I think we touched on a little bit, but especially as someone who isn't a Connecticut native, mm. I would love to hear from you. We, I think we've heard a lot about the advantages and the opportunities of living in, in Connecticut, but do you see any challenges? Um, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> we hear plenty um, uh, as natives of, about the all of the hard things that are yeah. always happening. And all as, a, as a non-political state employee, I have to be very careful what I'm I sure say you here. Do. Let me just say, quit being so hard on yourselves. Yeah. Um, the, the negativity that Connecticut likes to pile on Connecticut mm -hmm. is toxic. Yeah. Every place has problems. Look around. Mm -hmm. Look what you look what you got. I mean, what what if you think you're on the bottom now? Great. Then be part of the story that brings it back up. Mm -hmm. um, we recently, and it's not Connecticut, but it's a New England statement, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if you've spent your life in the Northeast, you do not completely understand and appreciate what a privilege it is to be the birthplace of America. Mm -hmm. To see things, I, I people will tell you, I was literally almost moved to tears seeing Paul Revere's grave. Mm -hmm. I grew up on the West Coast. Nothing's more than three weeks old, right? Right. right. The country started here. The everything good, you know, starts from mm -hmm. here. Connecticut's got to embrace that that role and say, ah, come on already. Everybody has its ups and downs. Right. Um, let's 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 do this. But it's it's a tough place to get used to. And mm -hmm. you know why? Two reasons. The water's in the wrong place. It's supposed to be on the <laughs> right or the left, not underneath. Right. Uh -huh. um, and none of the roads are straight. So trying to know north, south, east, west, uh -huh. build the thing on a grid, for goodness <laughs> sakes. I am I am so turned around continually. Yeah, there, that's absolutely true. But I also, I got to agree with you. You know, one of the things I've, I've said um, for the past few episodes is I, I really do feel like Connecticut is on the verge of a renaissance, yeah. you know. Um, that's what we bet on. Yeah. Frankly, is, you know, you want to be... Anybody can join the winner. You mm -hmm. want to be able to say you helped make right. make the winner. And if people could un appreciate what it's like to say the Yukon name um, to friends and family around the country before you come there and then go, wow, really, Yukon? Mm -hmm. we, we, we should not forget that for a second. Right, right, absolutely. Um, that's good to hear. So a couple of last questions. Mm -hmm. um, and these are questions that I like to try to keep some common threads um, okay. between each of the episodes. So I'm wondering um, what you think is in store for us um, when we think about the future of customer experience, mm. and in your case, the future of the patient experience. Yeah. You know, what's out there on the horizon um, that we should be paying attention to? Well, they're in charge, so we need to we need to understand that. In 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 my sector, we're not there completely, but it, we're never going to be less consumeristic than we are today. Mm -hmm. What what that means means probably a lot of trials and errors in technology, mm -hmm. because there's things. You know, when we try to read the consumer's mind, mm -hmm. uh, we will fail sometimes. Right. I actually think it will mean um, more of a boomerang back to research. Right. Um, the old product development days. Uh, you know, we came from Ohio, where Procter and Gamble was, mm -hmm. and they did a lot of yep. a lot of testing. We 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 as marketing communications professionals can't guess what they want. Mm -hmm. We have to try, see, listen, do. Uh, and the pace is never going to slow down. Right. This, uh, you know, I, we talked earlier about teaching. One of the things I tell, uh, I teach in healthcare marketing and communications, and most of the people I, I teach are not going into marketing. They're going into operations. Mm -hmm. I say, if you want an ever-renewing source of work, get into this. Mm -hmm. Because the acceleration, the change, the what's possible, mm -hmm. who, know, who knows what's right. possible, but it's not going to be very long until our... I, you know, we had that story last year about a Fitbit saving somebody's life. Mm -hmm. Imagine when we start doing that intentionally. Right. 
and putting them on our dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you um, went to uh, the most perfect place, which is to research. And you know, doing what I do, I see a lot of organizations that are trying to be customer-centric or trying to think mm -hmm. about the customer experience without actually talking to the customer. Yeah. Um, and you know, you at, at an academic um, healthcare facility, you guys are in there with yeah. the customers all the time, but not everybody has that um, advantage. Uh, no, that's not true. Everybody's in with, everybody's in with their customers. Mm -hmm. It's a question of what you're in there for. Are you in sure. there to divide, deliver the service, or are you in there to take your uh, your academic mission of you know teaching research and patient care mm -hmm. seriously? I think there is a um, for just about all marketers and communicators. There's, there's that adoption curve of, what is it, um, awareness, interest, and trial. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then what happens beyond trial is the do loop right. back to you. And if we're not constantly thinking about, uh, let's try it. What's mm -hmm. the worst thing? We, we did a pilot on something last year that I won't name names, but it sounded like the most brilliant thing ever born to man jumped in. It was horribly bad <laughs> because the consumer wasn't ready to go there yet. Right. Right. Okay, but if you don't try, you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that willingness to innovate in, in healthcare because the margins are tight and the, the, the scrutiny is, is high and the rules sometimes encumber you, uh, that, that dedication to try and push it out there, and mm -hmm. it's just little ideas from them. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we try to encourage our clients to do as much as possible. Yeah. You know, prototype, test it, try it. Yeah. Do a paper prototype. Do you know if you it's, just it's, ask ten people? Exactly, ask you ten know, people. How yep. about we just you know we're lucky we have a couple hundred people who give their time freely called volunteers. How about we just ask people who are committed, right, and of the right age? What do you think? Mm -hmm. And they look at it and go, it doesn't make any sense. I can't read it. Okay, I'm good enough. Yeah, and that's part of why I've always liked teaching is because eventually a student will ask a question. You think, yeah, I've quit asking that question too. In my practice, I need to do better. Right, right. That was a good. That's a really good point too. Is that the it, the students, you know, are going to start bringing some stuff up that eventually you take for granted, and as soon as you start taking things for granted, you start losing sight of some of the yeah. important stuff. I remember one saying, "Why do you do that?" And I'm thinking in back of my mind, "Well, I'm about to give you the theoretical answer because <laughs> I actually don't do that, and I probably should have." Mm. Yep. Um, okay, and so this is the last question. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I made it. Uh, I made it to the you end. You made it to the there end. Yes, exactly. Is this, this is the like, this is like Final okay. Jeopardy. Um, I should make it like to Final yeah, Jeopardy. You know, yeah, because he's going, and then my bucket list is, you know, I, I still haven't made it on Jeopardy. So if this could be like my Final Jeopardy, <laughs> maybe as close as I get. I'll have to get like a little sound effect. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, I'd like um, north northeastern populations, please, is my category. <laughs> so... What advice would you offer to an organization that wants to expand or mature their practice in terms of customer experience or in terms of patient experience? Do you have any words of wisdom for those organizations? So within within the healthcare yeah, delivery healthcare, kind of thing? Yeah. Just because we know a lot. I mean, y'all went to school for <laughs> 30 years, you studied the that's your product. Doesn't mean we know how to deliver it. Mm. Um, and, and being sensitive to that idea, um, it's almost basic communication, right? There's senders and receivers, and if right. you send it but they don't receive it, you don't get it. Mm -hmm. People can't seek the really good things we do unless we make it. Here's a bad word: seekable, right? Mm -hmm. right. Whether they can get to it in the hours they want, mm -hmm. in the way they want. 
if they can accelerate the content, if they can feel safe and secure right. that way. And so listen to them. Mm -hmm. Answer the question not based on what you knew the question to be, but what it, it's okay to ask follow-ups. I'm lucky. I, I've, I've found some really great providers here mm -hmm. who ask questions so they get to what you're really trying to answer. Right. People don't like to talk about their health. Yeah. Um, when they come in through ambulance, they often can't talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. So listen, don't go with what you know. Think about what it is they need. Mm, that's a great, great way to end. Um, what a, what a wonderful um, line there on that note. Um, and I'm also just going to reiterate this idea of um, it being an honor to, to treat the patient, you know, an honor to have those families Wait, there. In, in what other business Yeah. do you hand over life? In, okay, mm -hmm. there's one other business you hand over life and death. If you buy gas station sushi, you've made a life, <laughs> you've made a life and death. Truck stop, okay, that's truck true. stop, that's truck true. stop yeah. hot dogs if you're out there on the road mm -hmm. today. Life, death, decision. But by and large, we're the only place they trust our lives. Right. Right, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Um, this was wonderful. Uh, there will be show notes um, and episode links up at ctxpodcast.com. Um, and that's it for today. Thank you so much.